Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker. The Women's World Cup Show. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that. On TalkSport 2. Hello, hello. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faker Ruthers. The Lionesses are back in training ahead of Friday's second Group D match against Denmark. We'll catch up on all the latest from the England camp and hear from winger Chloe Kelly. I think the quality in this tournament has been amazing. There's not been loads of high-scoring games, which shows the women's game have come so far, and I think that's great. You'll also hear from some of the other Lionesses as they settle into their new training base. Plus, we'll speak to Republic of Ireland boss Vera Pau on the eve of her side's crunch meeting with Olympic champions Canada. Winning starts with not losing um, and that is a very cliche but very much true. So that's the manager's point of view but how are the island players feeling ahead of that second group B match? Shamrock Rovers' Anya O'Gorman is loving playing on the world stage. It's pretty amazing, it's kind of surreal, it's kind of hard to believe and I think it's something that you probably won't reflect on um, maybe until it's over. We'll also recap all the matches from day six as the second round of games kick off. Loads to get through. Thanks for being with us. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Alex Greenwood and you can listen to the Women's World Cup on TalkSport. Happy Tuesday, you lovely lot. How are you doing? Did you enjoy day six of the tournament? Uh, delighted to say England's World Cup bronze medalist from 2015, Claire Rafferty, is with me again. How are you doing, Raf? Very well, thank you. How are you, Faye? All right, thank you. Not bad at all. We are going to go through all the action from day six later in the show. But first, let's find out what the Lionesses have been up to after a little bit of downtime on Monday. They were back to business today and the media out in Sydney were able to catch a glimpse of 15 minutes worth of training as well. Talk Sports' Courtney Sweetman-Kirk caught up with Chloe Kelly after the session and asked her what the squad took away from that first game against Haiti. It's important that we got the three points on the day and first game in tournaments are always difficult and you see that with all the other games that have been played so far. Um, but I think credit to Haiti, they were a great side and difficult to play against too. Yeah, and, you know, in terms of that expectation, it's a big thing now. I think fans, media alike, probably unrealistically at times, are expecting you to go and beat every team you play 4-5-0. So in terms of you personally and as a squad, how are you dealing with that? I think block out the outside, really, for me. Um, I think it's important that we stick to our bubble and what we have within because those messages are really 
positive. Um, and I think the quality in this tournament has been amazing. There's not been loads of high-scoring games, which shows the women's game have come so far. And I think that's great, great for everyone. Um, and yeah, I think we're really excited for the next game. And I think it's just been positive, positive vibes in the camp. Love that. And in terms of that improvement with the game as a whole, it, it's something I've probably noticed as well. So do you think that gap, you know, between the, the big nations like the Lionesses, the USA, and, and maybe, you know, the ones like Haiti and Portugal that are, you know, playing in the World Cup for the first time, is that gap closing? Yeah, definitely. But I think it's, it's great. It's great for everyone. I think the games are very competitive. And I think as a fan, I would love to be watching the games. And I, I have been watching a few of the games too. I think it's really exciting for everyone when it's the close scoring games. And um, it's between a toss up between both sides. And I think, yeah, I think it's great for as a fan watching on. England fans, maybe not because <laughs> we want to win by loads. But yeah, I think as a fan watching on to this tournament, it's been Great to see the score lines. Yeah, and you've moved to, to Terragao now. You had a, a fantastic welcome at the Central Coast Stadium. Uh, the Don Kinjung Group, you know, welcoming you. The smoke ceremony. Just when you're going through things like that, how amazing is it? And even like being emotional and going all the way back to where you've come from, how you started to football, to, to now being halfway around the world and getting a welcome like that. How amazing is it? Is it emotional? Yeah, I think it's amazing um, to see so many people out today to support us in our training session with City shirts on and England shirts on. There's I a think. few Man United shirts as well, you know. Yeah, we won't mention that. <laughs> <call>. <laughs> uh, I think it's just great to see um, how far the women's games come, I think, and being so far away from home. But they're making us feel so welcome in their country. And I think to, to see the Aboriginal culture and learn of the Aboriginal culture is really important to us that we, we do learn of it. Brilliant stuff there, England forward Chloe Kelly speaking to our England reporter Courtney Sweetman-Kirk. We'll hear a little bit more from Chloe tomorrow and Courtney will join us as well. But uh, Times football writer Molly Hudson was at that training session and she joins us now. How are you doing, Mol? I'm good, thank you. I, I wish I'd brought some sun cream. It was, it was pretty hot for, uh, for Sydney's winter, let's put it that way. Oh, what kind of temperatures? You're surprising me. Well, just like... Only maybe 21, 22, but we've got bright sun. The players were getting the sun cream on. We was out in the stands watching with, uh, I think it was about 2,500 um, fans. Some school children had come down as well to watch. It was just a, a really great atmosphere there, really. Yeah, see, it was a little bit of a Brucey bonus, wasn't it? Because I don't think we were expecting to hear from any of the players until they did a couple of their media commitments later on in the week. Obviously, you just heard from, from Chloe Kelly there. How how did the players look after that opening game? I think it was quite relaxed. I think um, it, it. I think it's quite nice for England now to finally be at their base camp. Obviously, they started off pre-tournament, which feels like so long ago in the Sunshine Coast. Um, remember speaking to you guys from there. Then we've been in Brisbane for a couple of days and now they're finally sort of at that base camp. And that's the thing that the FA have worked really hard to to make feel like home. Obviously, we know England will hopefully be back in Sydney for the latter stages of this tournament. So, you know, I guess this is now really where where the business starts. They're, they'll, they'll be able to settle in. Obviously, this, this is their second welcome now, uh, official welcome, but this will be their last one. Um, yeah, and I think they're just super excited to, to get going, really. And I guess to, you know, the Haiti game wasn't their greatest performance in the world. And I think, obviously, there's still a lot of talk about the fact that England haven't really been able to score, obviously haven't scored 
from open play in in four games now, if you count the behind closed doors game against Canada as well. So I think they'll be pretty keen to get out there on Friday and and maybe score some goals and and stop the rest of us talking about it. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I know you only got to see 15 minutes worth of training and we know Serena Wiegmann well enough by now that she's not going to show us any formations in that open 15 minutes worth of training. But does it look like England might be planning to change anything in terms of that starting lineup before the Denmark game? We actually got to watch the whole session um, and there were, were some interesting bits and bobs um, aside from a, a few warm-ups, a few runs with some medicine balls just to mix it up a little bit. We did see Millie Bright working on her own some long balls with some coaching staff. Obviously, that's something that we we many of us identified against Haiti that they were missing those long balls from centre-back if Alex Greenwood doesn't play there, if... Obviously, Leah Williamson injured doesn't play there. So I think that was quite interesting that that's something the coaching staff wanted to work on with Millie. Um, and then, look, there, there, I won't lie, there was plenty of shooting practice. It wasn't amazing. So hopefully they've got, <laughs> oh, no. they've got, got, all, those, got all those misses out. Uh, there was a, a fantastic finish from from Georgia Stanway. We know what she can do from long range. Um, some great finishes from Lauren James, too, who looked in great form. So... Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, um, lot of lot of support from from the school children that came. Um, watched the whole session, then got to um, have have some balls and stuff signed. So yeah, they had a they had a great time out there. Molly, just just touching on what you mentioned there about the shooting practice, I was going to ask: was there any visible patterns of play or any you know visible formations that you could see? I know training sessions are typically quite guarded like that, but is there anything that you could pull out of that to indicate how England are going to play in this next game against Denmark? I think there was a bit of criticism about England that's been written about. Maybe there was a little bit predictable um, against Haiti. They'd get the ball out wide, crosses would go into the box, and then it was kind of left to Alessia Russo to kind of feed off the scrap sort of aerially. Um, and it looked like towards the end of the session when they, they were doing shooting practice, um, Russo had actually gone in at this point. But uh, Rachel Daly was there, Lauren James was there in the middle, and you could see Chloe Kelly, Katie Robinson working on crossing the ball in but sort of with more intent certainly looking at more pullbacks to kind of get the ball to feet then take a touch and shoot which I think is something they really didn't get a chance to do against Haiti so yeah as I say they they didn't all go in but um the 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 uh the patches of play look quite good and I think it's I think it's just going to be about and we say this all the time if teams don't we once one goal goes in I think you'll feel that sort of weight shift off them because you know, again, we're all talking about it now. They were working on it in training. Obviously, they're super aware of it, mainly because, you know, England have scored so many goals under Serena Wiegmann. It feels really strange to sit here and say we're talking about them not scoring. So I think it's definitely something they're working on. And uh, I, I know certainly Wiegmann at the moment, the buzzword seems to be ruthless. They need to be more ruthless. And hopefully they'll be able to do that on Friday. Well, especially when you look at Germany, who were ruthless in, in their opening match, Brazil as, as well. But some of the bigger teams are also struggling. Sweden only just squeezed uh, a win and Norway have been struggling and not scoring either. And look at their frightening front line. So actually, you know, there's a bit of a split going on already, isn't there? But this is only the group stages. We're getting into into the second round of, of matches and hopefully that'll improve. I'm really impressed that, that it was a fully open training session. I kind of wasn't, ex- wasn't expecting that. How many people came down uh, to watch it? And, and in terms of how many... England fans there are out in Sydney have you seen loads travel over 
So the the estimation was that there was about 2,500 there today. There might be slightly more, um, uh, as you heard, uh, Courtney and Chloe saying there were plenty of, of English football shirts. There was an, uh, I saw a couple of Aston Villa fans there as well. Um, but uh, I think in terms of the actual viewers, there have been um, the travelling fans, uh, over 4,000, I think the, the um, UK embassy in Australia were estimating. Um, and free lionesses who are organising a lot of the fan meetups and stuff over here say it's probably even more than that. Um, Stuart Andrew, the UK sports minister, is coming over to to meet uh, some of the fans this week in Brisbane and Sydney. So I think there's there's a really large uh, contingent, really, and I think it's pleasantly surprised a lot of people, including Serena Vigman herself, who actually said in the post-match press conference that she'd said to her assistant before that Haiti match that she felt like they were playing in England. There was such a vocal support. So I think it's it's really pleasantly surprised everyone really how, how much support they do have here. Yeah. Have, um, has anybody been saying that they're going to be watching the Republic of Ireland uh, game on Wednesday? Because obviously that group is so open now and they, they they might not end up getting the opponents that they thought they were going to get. Yeah, I think we've certainly been watching Ireland's group and saying what a lot of fun it looks and we're not quite sure who's who's going to come out of it. I think that there's been quite a large Irish contingent here, actually, because most of the fans in Australia are having to watch games in sports bars because Optus Sport, the host broadcaster, is paywalled, a little bit like a Sky Sports sort of back home. So um, hotels, apartments, et cetera, that, that fans are traveling to, most of them don't have it. So we we went to a sports bar the other night to watch a few games and it uh, coincided with the hurling final and it was just absolutely packed full of, <laughs> of like Irish fans. It was amazing. Uh, we couldn't believe how many Irish were here. So yeah, I think I think there's a really big... Irish presence and and as you say that 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 group is just completely wide open the, the same as group A really with the news with New Zealand especially after the re- results today so it's super exciting what are we expecting from England over the next uh, couple of days before they kick off against Denmark on Friday Obviously, there'll be a little bit more media before the game. Um, I think one of the the key battles that we're really excited to see is is Millie Bright um, coming up against Pinilla Harder. Obviously, somebody she's played with at Chelsea for for several seasons. Um, obviously, Millie Bright didn't have the best game against Haiti, but of course, that's because she's coming back from from that knee injury missed significant period of the season with that. So, I think it will be a really good test, not only for Bright but for that whole England defence, really, which. Admittedly, we've been talking about the fact that England can't score, but on paper, it's actually their defence that's probably the weakest area. So I think it's, you know, Denmark are a solid team. They're probably not a team many expect to go super far in this tournament, but they'll provide a good test, particularly with that battle with Brighton Harder. So that's definitely one for fans to look out for. Brilliant stuff. Molly, get some sleep. See you soon. See you later. Thanks, Faye. The wonderful Molly Hudson, a football writer for The Times. Remember, England's second Group D match against Denmark will be live on TalkSport 2 from 9am on Friday. It's a 9.30 kickoff. This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Faye Carruthers and Claire Rafferty with you. Coming up, we'll talk all things Republic of Ireland ahead of Wednesday's massive game against Canada.
This is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Don't forget the TalkSport Network is the place to be for all things Women's World Cup. We'll have live commentary from all of England and Republic of Ireland's matches. Plus, you'll be covered with updates on all the other games throughout the tournament. Uh, thanks for being with us. I'm Faker Rothers, former Chelsea and England defender. Claire Rafferty is with me. Now, Ireland are next in action on Wednesday when they'll face Olympic champions Canada. It's a 1pm kickoff and it's live on TalkSport 2. Birmingham City's Remy Allen will be alongside our commentator Charlotte Richardson for that one. It's something of a must-win game for Ireland, really. They failed to secure any points from their first game against Australia, you'll remember, but Canada are also looking for a good result after they could only manage a goalless draw against Nigeria. Both teams held their matchday minus one media conferences to preview the game earlier on today. Here's what they had to say. You can only look in the future. Um, it depends, of course, of, on the results of others. Um, but winning starts with not losing. Um, and that is a very cliche, but very much true. Um, so if you, um, if you play a game like this against the Olympic champion, uh, you have to stay realistic. But it's clear that, um, that yeah, do we want to go through this group, then we need a result. That's clear. Yes, next. If we win, we have it in our own hands. If we, if we have a draw, then we're dependent on other results. It is something that we discuss, um, Ferris discussed with me, discussed with us offensively and as a team. Um, I think that it's, it's always hard to kind of figure out. In, in those moments, you'd only have split seconds to make decisions. But um, I think that the thing that sticks with you the most is Vera has really encouraged us to be free and to make those daring decisions like, you know, be brave enough to fail, have courage in that. And uh, and that is something that really sticks in my head, especially after watching the last game and kind of seeing those a few moments or even watching other games in this World Cup. You're seeing those moments where players and teams are have the courage to fail and have, are brave enough to to make something happen. And I think that um I think that's really a, a positive thing and it's an, it's encouraging to to continue to say that amongst us. Yeah, I think what we've seen from Ireland is everything we'd scouted coming into the tournament. I think whenever they've played, we've seen that from them. That shape, that that resilience, that, you know, we'll do whatever it takes, not to concede mindset. Um, and they're a team full of heart, spirit and passion. And so when you compare that to Canada and what we're known for, it's going to make for a great game. The tournament is long and... Uh, Bev has always told us uh, it's a day by day, it's a process, um, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So uh, coming out of the first game, you know, we got a point and uh, we really took the time to analyze, to, to see little, little areas where we, we need to tweak a bit more, um, but uh, we have complete confidence in our team and in our abilities and so yeah, that, that metaphor just shows that you know, any team coming into this tournament uh, uh, can win it and uh, we have shown being Olympic champions uh, that we have the experience in tournament play at the highest level. You heard from Ireland manager Vera Powell and striker Kira Carusa, as well as Canada's English manager Bev Priestman and Canada and Chelsea defender Ashley Lawrence there. Uh, Talk Sports Republic of Ireland reporter Shabana Hearn was at the press conference in Perth. Hey, Shaban. 
Hi guys, how are you getting on? You well? Yeah, we're very good, thank you. Um, busy old day for you. Match day minus one always is. How was the vibe in the Republic of Ireland camp? Uh, Vera Powell looks pretty relaxed when talking to the to the media. Almost does, doesn't she? Feel? I feel that there's this really like silent confidence, assured side of of Vera Powell. Um, she's very. She said a couple of times now in press conferences that there's no point in hiding things. I don't know why teams hide things. She said this a couple of times that she's very clear with what she puts out there. Um, and that's to do with the stress of possibly Louise Quinn maybe not being available for tomorrow's game. So uh, the top line coming out of that press conference is defender Louise Quinn, who we know from Birmingham City. Um, will she be available for the game? She picked up a knock. She's also sporting an absolute peach of a black eye, I will say, from that game, that very physical game against Australia. But she did, did take part in full training. Uh, this evening and that was the test to make sure to see if she's going to be available for selection tomorrow from what I could see everything looked okay okay that's good if she didn't play Mm. how big a miss would she be huge miss I mean there was that moment wasn't there in the dying minutes of the game where if Louise Quinn can find herself in the right area she's just such a good threat in the air Um, she's got an eye for goal defensively she's sound you know she's head and shoulders above the rest of that Ireland team in terms of her height as well. So I think she would be a big big miss, you know, over 100 caps in our country as well if she's not available. Um, But like like I say, watching her in session, she seems to be keeping up with everything. She's been in the protective boot since last week uh, after the Australia game. I'd say the eye looked worse, um, but she cracks on with that, I suppose. Um, I think it could be a miss if she's not available tomorrow, but touch wood, luck of the Irish. Fingers crossed, yes. Vera Powell did mention some standout players for, for Canada, Jesse Fleming and Christine Sinclair. Obviously, we know the threat that they can potentially uh, pose. But what else does this Canada side pose in terms of threat for Republic of Ireland? Who, who else are they going to have an eye on, Shaban? Big physical side, aren't they? Like you say, the players that, that she's spoken up. And that, that's the thing. Vera went in and Christine Sinclair. And we're, Christine Sinclair might be the oldest, most experienced player of the tournament. I think Ireland almost make up for an, an inexperience. But if you think about the Lionesses at the Euros last time round, it was that inexperience almost at major tournaments that allowed them to be free and have that flair. And I think we saw that from Ireland and Abby Larkin when she came on uh, the other day as well. And she's just this young, recently turned 18-year-old, the youngest ever Irish player at a Women's World Cup. Um, who's just like, I can't believe there's Abby Larkin fan zones happening and Abby Larkin, you know, screening happening for me. And, and I think there's that, you know, maybe an experience, but just blissful an experience that brings out that side, that, that change in her. Now, I think they can break Canada down. Like you say, defensively, they are sound. So I think going forward, if Denise O'Sullivan can get into the right spaces, Katie McCabe, we know what she can do in the WSL. I think they will be able to break Canada down. Canada have struggled over the last little, little while. I don't think they're the same Olympic champions that, that we know them of. And especially coming into this tournament, seeing what happened against Nigeria, I can see why that Ireland squad are looking and going, hold on a minute, maybe, just maybe, we could get something here. And and that goalless draw means that there's actually pressure on both sides, which, you know, can, can go one of two ways, can't it? it? It could make for a really tight, cagey game or it could make for a complete free-for-all free for all but because the the, the the group is quite open I would expect more cagey than, than, than free-for-all at the same time but Beth Priestman had so much respect for the Republic of Ireland um, as you would mm. expect her her to and, and she talks about how difficult it would be to go up the passion and determination of, of, of the Irish team but we're going to get that from both sides aren't we? 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The thing is about Canada is I think there's this expectation because they are the Olympic champions. So already there's the disappointment from maybe Canada and Canada fans knowing that they didn't even pick up a point maybe against Nigeria. They have to, they must to, to live up to the, the Olympic champions' reputation, come away with a win against Ireland tomorrow. But as we've seen and have you spoken about on the show so often is the underdog mentality that's coming from these smaller teams who are on their debuts on the big stages. And therefore, I think Ireland just bring that extra little bit of zest and oomph and the passion. They're having fun. They, you know, they're having fun. There's not a lot of pressure, I would say, on Ireland at this moment in time. And maybe that is the difference. There's pressure on Canada. For now, there's pressure going into this game for Ireland to come away, come away with at least a point. But I think they're looking at their performance against Australia, such a strong squad, strong squad, and going, actually, yeah, we could do this. We've got a lot to offer. And again, the, one of the topics of the press conference was that final kind of 15, 20 minutes against Australia. You know, when you when they really let loose, Sinead Baddeley spoke about her being subbed off and watching the game, thinking that looks fun. You know, that more offensive play, if we can do more of that and we have confidence in ourselves, we can get up the pitch. So if we can execute it, the right way, then we have a chance. Now, who's the best to execute at this point in time for Ireland? It's Amber Barrett. So I think they've got all the right ingredients to make a really good pie. Fingers crossed. Yeah, hope it's a tasty one as well. Looking forward to the game. You also caught up with uh, Anya O'Gorman earlier on today. Let's take a listen, shall we? Starting with where the squad are at ahead of this huge fixture tomorrow. We're just going to obviously focus on our game plan. We'll do our analysis on Canada like we always do and, and prepare like we always have and, and we'll be ready. This is the biggest Women's World Cup ever. What's it like being part of it? You personally, you know, being there and, and still being on the journey? Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. It's kind of surreal. It's kind of hard to believe. And I think it's something that you probably won't reflect on um, maybe until it's over. But just to see where women's football across the world is now, not just in Ireland, is, is so special. And repping the mums as well. <laughs> you know, how important is that to you? There's a lot of mums at this tournament, but how you can do both. Yeah, it's amazing and obviously uh, James and Rachel were planning on travelling out and circumstances changed and, and they didn't get here but yeah, it, it's really special and I keep taking loads of little videos and memories because obviously you won't remember then that I can show him when he's older that mum was actually out of World Cup when I miss his first birthday on Monday. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, it, it's pretty special and there's loads of amazing women out there doing both. Bless you. That's really, really <laughs> sweet. I can't believe they've missed the, the opportunity of being here with you. But taking those videos along the way and you're right setting an example to show that mums can do that too must be like a real heartwarming thing. Yeah, yeah. It's really, really special. And I know that um, my partner, Rachel and, and James at home, they're mentally proud and, and cheer me on all the way. Yeah, so um, it, it's really, really special. And obviously I miss them a lot, but mum's here living her dream of the World Cup. Absolutely living her dream, repping the mums as well, Shaban. You and I are, are parents and, and spoke a lot before this tournament about what it's going to be like being away from, from your kids. And we yeah. saw um, <clears throat> Melanie Leupoltz appearing for Germany yesterday, her son just nine months old. I mean, look, you and I are mums. Can you imagine having played football nine months after uh, after having your two? No. You could do it. <laughs> Not a chance, Lance. I can barely walk up the stairs at the stadium, Raph, <laughs> uh, to sit down on a gasket. I mean, it's ridiculous, but I mean, that's the difference now. You're seeing um, these women athletes really setting examples and giving the opportunity and the support of their clubs and their countries. They can do both. And, and Anya has represented Ireland for over 100 caps. She's one of the highest cap players. And what I find fascinating about her is that she is still here. You know, she's still there. She's very much so part of the side. She represents Ireland all the way. And I remember, 
been at the, the game against Finland's in Tala. And her, her baby, James, he must have been a month old then. And coming onto the pitch with his ear defenders on and walking across the pitch and just her, like, pudulation at having her little boy there and watching, you know, all the things that they were achieving and nearly at that point getting to the World Cup. And now she's here. I feel for her because I missed my kid's birthday as well. And, I mean, I'm just out here trying to get a holiday. But she's actually playing in the World Cup. You know, she's actually, actually, you know, doing something for her country. And we'll, we'll finish our career having done everything that she could have done at the highest level for her country. There's a lot of players in the Ireland squad doing that. Louise, Louise Quinn, Denise Sullivan, who's still, you know, much younger. Um, Anya Gorman, who we spoke to there. Uh, Diane Caldwell, all the way over 100 caps for Ireland and a few more. And they will always be part of that journey. But now they get to say we made it to a World Cup. And I think that's what's important about that squad. Never mind then having a, a one-year-old son to look up to and go, my mum was there at that time. And put Ireland on the map for women's football as well. Yes. Oh, an amazing group. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what they can do. And I'm going to be really mean to you here, Shaban. Prediction, on, please, for the game. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for... I don't know what I'm... I don't know what I'm I might be absolutely tripping but I've got all the belief that they're going to do this I really really do I see, I see it and I'm feeling it and I'm going to just go for a, a 2-0 win Ireland a, a 2-0 Amber Barrett will come on I think they're going to be fine and, and I don't know what it is about Canada I just don't trust that they're the Canada of old therefore I think Ireland will take advantage of them for some reason I love but listen, it I've been up all day you very, know, very early. I'm deranged now, and I've not even had my dinner. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're a, you're an eternal optimist, like I am. I, I'm, I'm with you on that, Rafi. You, you agree as well? I agree. I agree. I think they'll, they'll definitely get one over Canada. The Canada are not the same well, fighting team that they were in the past. I, I totally agree. Just based on that one game, but yeah, I mean, the, the fighting Irish. You know, we know how it is. Let's keep our fingers crossed, shall we? Uh, look forward to talking to you, Shaban, tomorrow, hopefully after a Republic of Ireland win. Take care. Thanks, guys. Enjoy. Speak to you soon. Take care. So Birmingham City's new signing, Remy Allen, will be on commentary duty for TalkSport 2 for Republic of Ireland versus Canada alongside Charlotte Richardson, the Republic of Ireland reporter. Uh, Shabana Herm will have all the post-match from that match. It's a 1pm kickoff on Wednesday. Uh, this is the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. Faker Rothers and Claire Rafferty with you. Coming up next, we round up all the action from day six at the World Cup. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2 in association with Zero small business accounting software and proud partner of the FIFA Women's World Cup 2023. TalkSport have live commentary, don't forget, of all England and Republic of Ireland's games across the network. So thank you for choosing to be with us. I'm Faker Rothers. Claire Rafferty is with me. She won a bronze medal at the World Cup back in 2015. I am not worthy. Uh, right, we've got three games to update you on from today, including the final match from the opening round of fixtures. So let's start there, shall we? It was the last match in Group H and saw Colombia take on South Korea. Talk Sports' Lisa O'Sullivan was watching this one. Colombia 2 of the Korean Republic nil. It started fast and physical. Four yellow cards dished out by England referee Rebecca Welsh in the first half. The first for Colombia's Manuela Venegas high kick on Sun Hwayon. That could have got her on to Broadway. A handball by Korea's Shim Soi Nyon in a goal mouth scramble earned her a yellow card. Kat Zume put in Colombia one up by sending keeper Yun Yunjef right and netting on the left. It was all Colombia from there and only a question of time before Linda Caicedo danced through the defence and lofted it over the goalie into the net to double their lead before the break. Afterwards, Korea regrouped. It was a quieter second half. No way it could have carried on the way it did. Colombia still looked like the most likely to add to the scoreline. But with 78 minutes played, we saw a moment of history when Casey Fair became the youngest player in FIFA Women's World Cup history, aged just 16 years and 26 days. Colombia will take the three points and join Germany at the top of Group H. They take on the Germans on Saturday for Korea. The next match is against Morocco. In Sydney, it's finished. Colombia 2, Korean Republic 0. Claire, was this a bit of a shock for you? I thought uh, South Korea, Korea Republic, as, as FIFA always always name them, um, were going to be the serious contenders to, to Germany toppling this group. Yeah, a big, big shock, actually. Um, I was watching the game and I just thought there was just a catalogue of defensive errors that I was witnessing. Um, I expected a bit more organisation and structure. They've got some fantastic players, the likes of Jisoo Young, who played with at Chelsea and is one of the best players. I didn't feel like she was able to make her mark on the game. I think Colombia, you know, they performed really well, but it was more, you know, down to the errors made by South Korea and some, some standout players on the Colombian side there with Casado's drive, which was fantastic. But yeah, really disappointed from South Korea. I thought it was going to be between Germany and Korea in that group. Yeah, I did as well. But it looks like Colombia could get out of it as long as they uh, follow that up with victories uh, elsewhere. And actually, what I love about this, I'd kind of forgotten, if I'm honest, that there were obviously other options for locations for this tournament. Um, it was... Uh, decided that it was going to Australia and New Zealand, but Colombia were, were, were in for a shout of this tournament, so they're going to want to prove a point. 
Yeah, and I, I was reading reports after and could see by the game it was quite a, a lively uh, crowd for that for that South Korea game with a with a big almost like a army of fans. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly it. They want to, going to want to make a point, aren't they? Having um, put in their bid to host the tournament, um, and I think it's almost like a way of getting back maybe at FIFA saying, look, we couldn't host it, but we will win it. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Um, also seen a number of youngsters like Linda Caicedo, Julia Dragoni for Italy yesterday, even at the USA's Sophia Smith making their mark on this tournament. How impressed have you been with the number of young players uh, performing? Yeah, you know, I love to see the young players come onto the stage in these major tournaments. They're just so fearless. Um, I remember being young coming onto my first World Cup in 2011 and, and you just don't have that anxiety uh, about your performance. You, you just come in, you don't have any expectations. And I think the standard that these young players have been setting has been great. Today's game showed that with, with Caicedo, um, her skill and her ability to read the game uh, really stood out. And, and I think you can kind of see the young players, they're just not afraid to make mistakes and they... they they're just so tenacious in how they actually um, uh, approach the games. Yeah, they really are. It's, it's a delight to see. Actually, I was talking to someone yesterday about how I think in four years' time we're going to see a totally different age group of players. You know, we've got the likes of Marta, for example, the oldest uh, World Cup player for, for Brazil, performing yesterday. Christine Sinclair in her kind of twilight years, which sounds really rude to say, but you know what I mean. Um, and I actually don't think we're going to see that in four years' time. I think the older players will have been usurped in terms of the the strength of, of the youngsters coming coming in. Yeah, the same with Megan Rapino. You see some of these older players, I don't want to call it holding on um, to the international careers, but I think when we look at the depth of the squads, they're needed. Uh, I think, as you mentioned, in, in four years' time, I think the development of the game will mean that there will be a lot more um, you know, centralised spine to squads, which means that some of the older players don't have to maybe play uh, in time where they're, they're not at their best in their career. Yeah, uh, second round of group games uh, kicked off today as well. New Zealand faced the Philippines, looking to back up that opening game win against Norway. And it was only yesterday, though, that we were talking about how all eight of the debutante teams had failed to secure any points from their opening group games. And uh, first time as the Philippines were determined to change that as they took on the co-hosts down in Wellington. Talk Sports Ollie Klink was watching this one. It's finished New Zealand nil. The Philippines won a huge shock in Group A and a magical night for the Philippines. The bench are on the pitch in celebration. They've stunned the co-host New Zealand to pick up their first ever World Cup win. Serena Bolden scored the winner midway through the first half with a powerful header. That was their first goal at a finals. And it's a result, Jamie, which has blown Group A wide open. The Philippines move level on points with the Kiwis. And if Norway beats Switzerland in the next game today, all four teams will be level on points heading into the final round of fixtures. A historic night in Wellington. It's finished New Zealand nil. The Philippines won. Absolutely cracking result for the Philippines. And we also saw the save of the World Cup so far from the Filipino keeper, Olivia McDaniel, to keep out a shot from Grace Jow with her, her fingertips. I mean, it was, a, it was a really inspired performance from the Philippines. And we've had a couple of shocks this tournament, but this was a big one. They deserved it. Yeah, definitely. You know, the, the Philippines, I, was, and I wasn't expecting them to take the lead. New Zealand, they're... 
you know, they, they've got quite a lot of experience. Yes, they, they won the opening game, but they didn't still look like they were going to be dominating the group. However, I did feel like they would beat the Philippines. But I think that the, they were very defensively strong um, and they did begin to cause the problems with the counter-attack as New Zealand were looking to push on. Um, and yeah, I think they were just quite slick in terms of their passing and the movement. So really, really excited um, to see that result and, and watching the celebration after that 24th minute goal was, was quite emotional, actually. Do you know what the most frustrating thing for New Zealand is? They could have actually become the first team to make the last 16 if they'd have won this game because they'd have had six points and all the other results would have meant that they were, they were guaranteed a, a last 16 place. They're going to be furious with themselves. Yeah, very frustrating that you, you saw the emotion uh, from the New Zealand girls after the, after the first game and what that meant for them. Uh, it almost was always too easy for them, wasn't it, coming into the second game? Maybe they expected to, it, for it to be more of an open game and, and it wasn't. And yeah, unfortunately, they, they've uh, opened that group up. Yeah, they do still have a chance to make it out of the group, but they have to beat Switzerland now. Is that a game they can win? Look, I think Switzerland, they have more attacking-wise um, than New Zealand. I, I, for me, New Zealand and Canada, I think they're quite similar in the way they play. Um, defensively, you know, it's quite strong, although obviously they leaked the goal today. But I think in terms of Switzerland, because of the way they counter with such speed, they've got the likes of... Um, Backman who can, can drive and you know create something out of nothing and I don't think New Zealand have that so I feel like Switzerland are going to edge that game. Well they couldn't do that today they had no drive whatsoever actually because the other group A game saw the Swiss face a Norwegian side who are absolutely desperate for points after losing that opening game uh, to New Zealand. Talk Sports Charlotte Richardson was watching. It finishes Switzerland nil, Norway nil. Another frustrating 90 minutes of football for the former world champions, Norway. A first point on the board, but still no goals scored as the Norwegians couldn't find a way past a hard-working Switzerland side with 37-year-old goalkeeper Gail Tellman in fine form. Every ounce of her experience coming good for the Swiss. But perhaps the biggest moment of the match came 30 seconds before kickoff. Ada Hegerberg, one of the best centre-forwards in the world, Norway's big game player, was in her kit, ready to play, but was with drawn so late on reports of a niggle in the final sprint of her pre-match warm-up Norway have reached the knockout stages in seven of the last eight World Cups it is now out of their hands and they have got it all to do in the final group game as it finishes Switzerland nil Norway nil massive massive because this is the group a table at the moment switzerland on four points new zealand on three philippines now also on three norway on one and as charlotte said they've got it all to do but it's not in their hands anymore they've been given that lifeline by new zealand who lost uh, to the philippines um but they just couldn't take advantage of it and interesting news about arda hegerberg there actually because um they made four changes from that defeat to new zealand uh, hegerberg didn't play caroline graham hansen didn't start either and actually it's the first time they've started a World Cup game without one of them for the first time since 2011. There's just something not not quite right there with Norway, is there? Yeah, you know what? I, I think they've made it really difficult for themselves. They're under a lot of pressure now with Norway. Um, Haig started um, up front for, for Norway, but I don't think that she was able to offer the same, you know, uh, 
prowess up front in terms of being able to hold the ball up and supply the wingers. Obviously, Hansen did get introduced later on in the game and then she was able to change the dynamic. But I think tactically, they just seem to be quite stubborn. There's not a lot of movement. Um, it seems quite predictable. And for, for Switzerland, they seem quite happy with the point. Um, but yeah, I think Norway just don't have enough going forward, especially given the, the change, last-minute changes that they had to face. Yeah, last round of Group A games are going to be absolutely nail-biting. All four teams could still qualify for the last 16. Who's it going to be? Oh, um, I'm going to go Switzerland and Philippines. Wow. Is that possible? Yeah. That is absolutely yeah, possible. Think, yeah. Of course it is. So okay. Philippines yeah. uh, need, need a draw or to beat Norway. New Zealand uh, playing Switzerland, the top two teams currently based on goal difference. So yeah, more than possible. And uh, yeah. wow, what a group it's been. Uh, right, we'll have all the updates on all the action from that last round of Group A games on Sunday. That's from 8 o'clock on TalkSport and you don't want to miss that. Uh, you're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers. Claire Rafferty is with me as well. Coming up, we'll hear what else the Lionesses have been up to leading into their second Group D match against Denmark. You're listening to the Women's World Cup Daily Show in association with Zero, small business accounting software and proud partner of England women. Dream bigger. If you do miss this episode live or duck in halfway through, do not worry. We're also available on podcasts, plenty of places you can download us. First, though, head to the TalkSport app to find us and you can subscribe elsewhere as well, of course. Uh, Faker Others and former Chelsea and England defender Claire Rafferty with you. Um, now, let's focus on the Lionesses again because they have arrived at their base camp in Terrigal. They have their second Group D match against Denmark on Friday in Sydney before they then travel to Adelaide for their final match against China. And so many of these Lionesses appearing at their very first World Cup this year. One of those is Esme Morgan, who had a really good season for Manchester City. And with the absence of Leah Williamson, she's been called up by Serena Wiegmann as another option in defence. Our England reporter Courtney Sweetman-Kirk spoke to her ahead of the Denmark game about what it was like to have two Two and a half thousand fans come down to their training session earlier. It's crazy, like at the match the other night in Brisbane there was such a strong England support and then as you say coming down just for a training session it's so special, like we were doing some runs up and down at the start and it was like being at the Olympics or something, they were like clapping along with us so it's so cool to have an atmosphere like that, it's really fun to be a part of. And in, in terms of the welcome you got as well, is that something that you may be going to remember for the, the rest of your life, one of those surreal moments? Yeah, it's so, so special, like getting the traditional welcome from the Aboriginal people. We've had it at all of the stops that we've been to so far, and it's so, so lovely to be welcomed by them and also hear a little bit about their heritage and learn about the country that um, we're here to play on. And yeah, as I say, it's been so, so nice. We've been so welcomed and had such good support throughout our time here. It's really special. And has that surprised you a little bit in terms of, you know, everywhere you've gone, you've been taken into the hearts of the Australian people? Obviously, they'll maybe be supporting the Matildas first, but do you feel a strong presence even from the Australians as well? Yeah, I think if we can be their second team, then that's our aim, really. We're just trying to treat everything well wherever we go and try and get the support of the locals where we can. And to be fair, we've been interacting with people everywhere we've gone and people keep telling us that as long as it's not the Matildas, they'll be supporting England. So that's what we want to do, really. But we feel the support from back home as well and obviously so many people have travelled out here to uh, come and see us too so it's amazing. 
A hater game, done and dusted. You got the three points. There was, you know, question marks around the performance. So what have you been doing in training the last few days to make sure you know, that's maybe a little bit better for Denmark? I think we've done analysis. We've kind of watched bits of the game back and picked up on areas where we think we can be a little bit sharper because there were some really good periods where we played good patterns, sort of carved some good openings, just couldn't quite find the finishing touch. So I think it's just refining those little things and trying to be as tight as we can defensively because obviously we'll need to be at our best to beat Denmark. They're a really strong team. Esme Morgan there, Manchester City and England uh, defender. Quite funny, actually, uh, Raf, and I know that you've done this uh, before, studying whilst playing and, and working. It's quite full on, but she's still studying for a university deg- uh, degree and was talking the other day about how she might have to actually ask for some extensions on her coursework because of the World Cup. I mean, I mean that's extenuating circumstances, isn't it? Yeah, I literally had to do the same thing. When I was at Loughborough, when for the 2011 World Cup, I had to write a letter or get the FA to write a letter and say, please, can I miss this exam because I'm at a World Cup and can I please submit my coursework a bit later? They weren't that lenient, to be fair. They weren't very lenient. Really? They didn't, <laughs> yeah. they didn't think that that was an extenuating circumstances no, excuse? There was a bit of an issue around that. That's for another day. Think, oh, right. OK. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right. Shame on you, Loughborough. Not I know. Well. <laughs> Unbelievable. Imagine you'd have gone on and, and won the tournament. And th- th- then yeah. I'm sure that they'd have been saying, you know, our World Cup winner, Claire Rafferty, our that student. Is. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you can tell she's just loving the experience of being down in Australia. I'm not sure if you've met Esme before, but she's a real delight to talk to. And she just seems to pinch herself with every moment that she's that, that she's given. What what is it like? I mean, we might not see her on the pitch. Yeah. She might she might not make an appearance. But how is that playing at your first ever major tournament? Um, you know what? It's the most incredible experience, especially because you don't know what to expect. So the first one's always. I mean, I I kind of entered every room with my eyes wide open because everything was just so exciting. And um, the thing is, you actually have such an important role to play. Um, you might not get on the pitch, but the role you play in and around the starting eleven. Um, and it, and during training, so the level and the standards that you set on a daily basis will will affect the players that are starting. And for me, it's just as important for the whole squad um, to be kind of at that same level in order to actually progress. And sometimes it's those players that actually elevate the team in terms of you know personality. What, what can they bring? Maybe light lighten the mood a little bit in terms of you know uh, interacting with the players after games, especially after the Haiti game. I'm sure. The substitutes and the squad players got around the starting eleven and actually advised and, and pointed them a few ways in which they feel like they could have been doing things better, but also praising them um, and then raising those standards on the training pitch. For you, you obviously, um, was it two World Cups you took part in, 2011, yeah. 2015? Yeah. So one was in Germany, only you know an yeah. hour, two hours away from the UK. But obviously you had to fly the other side of the world to, to Canada for, for 2015. The fact that the support of the Lionesses now is so much bigger than when you were you were playing. How much is that going to help the players? Yeah, massively. Look, in Canada, we had obviously the family and friends and they followed us everywhere. And we had like a little uh, like groupies almost, which was great. But there wasn't a lot of, you know, um, interaction from the, the local um, towns in terms of England fans and, and uh, travelling fans. So uh, to see the numbers is just... It's just quite emotional because when you're playing the games, when you're warming up, when you're, you know, even if you're not starting, you feel that. 
you feel the love, you feel the excitement, you feel the pride. Um, and it really does elevate your performances and your mood and just the whole environment. So it definitely is helpful in terms of getting the players across the line um, in difficult times. For those players that, that maybe aren't likely to start, you know, we, we saw Leah Williamson in, in 2019, who's, you know, now the injured England captain, so not out in, in Australia, just in case you missed that news. I mean, if you've missed that news, where were you? <laughs> but at the same time, you know, she, it was such an incredible experience for her. And we're seeing so many more young lionesses coming up uh, through the ranks and getting their opportunity to experience a major tournament. And that's going to be really important for the future of this England team. Yeah, that exposure is key. Look, the longevity in terms of being able to handle your emotions um, and that emotional agility that comes with, you know, being disappointed you're not playing. How do you actually deal with that? And how do you then elevate the team off the back of not playing? How are you, uh, you know, well prepared in case you do come on? You know, I came on in 2011 when I least expected it. I was sitting on the bench against, I think it was a quarterfinal against France, eating some sweets and Hope Pal turned around to me. And, you know, I had prepared for that moment, um, but I was shocked. And I think maybe if I wasn't as shocked, would I have performed better? And I think that that kind of experience that they will find that when, when you know, Serena Vigman turns to the bench and, and looks upon the players, you have to be prepared. And I think that experience in how to manage your own emotions and how to get to the right level, even if you don't play, um, is key for the, for the longevity of careers and for the Lionesses. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, isn't it? And you, they still may get their opportunity, some of the youngsters. You just don't know what's going to happen in a major tournament. And we don't know whether Serena Wiegmann might make changes ahead of this Denmark game. We shall see. But we will be building up to that huge match on Friday uh, here on TalkSport 2 on the Women's World Cup Daily Show. Uh, Raf, always a pleasure. I shall see you soon. Thank you, Faye. Take care. And you as well. Thank you to Claire Rafferty, Chloe Kelly, Esme Morgan, Anya O'Gorman, Courtney Sweetman-Kirk, Molly Hudson, Shabana Hearn, Lisa O'Sullivan, Ollie Klink, Charlotte Richardson, producers Maya and Uma. And of course, all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget, if you do miss any of the shows live, you can download the Women's World Cup show via the TalkSport app. And next show is on Wednesday. It's going to air at midnight on TalkSport 2. The pod will be out earlier than that, though. Don't worry if you want to have a listen. Uh, we're going to round up all the action from day. Day seven, including the Republic of Ireland's crucial Group B match against Canada. Our next show is on Wednesday at six o'clock on TalkSport 2, where we'll round up all the action from day seven, including the Republic of Ireland's crucial Group B match against Canada. Next here on TalkSport 2, the Open Review Show, where we round up all the action from the 151st Open at Royal Liverpool. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 
20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.